Welcome to this month's installment of Brass Chats, brought to you by Monster Oil. What is this? 21 year? Hey everyone, today we have the new principal trumpet player at the New York Philharmonic. He's been all over the world playing amazing happiness. He's, uh, he's been in the Atlanta Symphony, Philadelphia Orchestra, Chicago Symphony, just on and on and on. He probably has one of the best audition records, win-loss ratios ever. Um, and he's arguably one of the most influential trumpet players alive. Mr. Chris Martin, thank thanks you for being Chris. here, man. Thanks, nice to meet you. Yeah. Good to see you. You do, yeah. Um, let's get right in, and I want to know about your new appointment to the New York Philharmonic. How is everything going? Inside scoop. This is like the biggest <laughs> thing to happen. Uh, I, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> um, no, no. Uh, it's good. We've been here about six months, and um, it was a little bit crazy uh, starting here in New York because uh, I was still playing a little bit in Chicago. Um, one of the one of the conditions that um, that I that I could get a leave of absence to come to New York was that I'd still have to play some weeks in Chicago and play a tour with them. So um, the first month or so I was back and forth, played here in New York a week, played Chicago a week, and then, um, and then I was on a tour with them. Um, and, but now we're here and we've been here now for um, a good chunk of time and we, we really love it. We, we, my wife and I never thought we would end up as New Yorkers, but we, we're, we've turned into one and, and we really love it. So, yeah, right. uh, from, a <clears throat> so from, a, from a musical perspective, from a brass perspective, um, it's, it's, uh, it's like a dream come true, really, to be honest, because I, um, I've, I've been very lucky and very uh, fortunate in my musical life to have done the things I've done. I grew up, I grew up just a, a band kid. You know, my dad is a band director. Uh, he was a French horn player, French horn teacher. Um, still this much disappointed that I didn't play the horn, I think. But um, uh, so for me to have ended up uh, in Chicago in here, and here, uh, I, it's really, there aren't any, really any words to describe how yeah. fortunate I feel. How has your playing changed in just the last six months? Has anything changed? Yeah, just yeah, for sure. Um, I would say the first thing I would say is when I when I uh, when I played with the with the the New York guys with the New, with the Philharmonic Brass the first time, uh, it, it felt like it felt like boom, like I'm home. And, right uh, away, just like yeah, and uh, right in like you a know, puzzle. I I knew I knew some of these guys from before, from when I was in Atlanta, um, and I knew a couple of the guys in the brass section uh, as students at Northwestern. And so there was there was some you know familiarity from my past, but but really just like the, the the sound and the music and the style and the attitude, and everybody was just like exactly where I'm coming from. Dream scenario. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I, I really like I pinch myself every day going in. You come from the Barbara and Charlie dynasty. Yeah. At the Eastman, <laughs> you went to Eastman before they moved on to Northwestern, correct? Right. Yeah. And uh, um, what were the main points that you took away from your time with them? Um, uh, yeah, um, I was I was part of that tradition. But I would say the first thing I would say is um, I grew up in the I grew up in the Chicago School of Chicago School of Brass playing um, uh, long before my first teacher, my very first teacher, a guy named Richard Selby, who's a middle school band director, uh, drum and bugle corps guy. He studied with Chickowitz, 
Uh, and then my longtime teacher, growing up as a kid, Larry Black, played in oh, the Atlanta yeah. Symphony, taught everybody in the Southeast. The earliest musical memory I have, other than marching band rehearsals, <laughs> is, uh, is, is uh, the uh, Bud's recording of pictures. Um, and uh, so that sound was in my head, that, that trumpet sound, that brass sound, um, was in my head from the beginning. Is that um, the Schulte recording? The Schulte recording, yeah. yeah. And I, uh, and you know, I grew up with that just locked into my brain. And so, um, for me, studying with Barb and Charlie was just a natural extension of that. Um, the you know, Charlie loved to tell stories about Herseth, and Charlie played second to Herseth for a number of years, and uh, he had some great stories about about you know life in the section and life you know sitting next to to Bud. But the, the, the most influential stories to me were talking about his sound and the way he played and the way he would attack, how everything was immediate and instant and clear and brilliant and precise, um, and there was never a doubt that it was coming. You know. Emphasis on clarity. It's a Absol- huge thing. Absolutely. That's a big thing. Absolutely. I mean, Charlie would always, Charlie would always you know, be sitting next to you in a lesson, and, and I'd be working on articulation, Longinati or, some, or, um, or a Clark, and, and uh, he'd try to pick up his horn, and he'd stick his bell right in my head. And, and tongue, and tongue, and it was the clearest, most uh, immediate, crystal clear ping you've ever heard. And uh, ping, which is ping. something you hear Barbara. Absolutely. Talk. I mean, I don't, I haven't studied with Charlie, but Barbara yeah, talks absolutely. about ping a lot. Absolutely, and, and I, you know, I, for me, that's that's immediately, uh, it's the the first thing I work on every morning. After I, I find my sound, I find my my voice, I, I see where I'm at, and then the next thing I do is find immediately that ping. Um, because that's what it's that's what it's all about. You know who you know who else did that trick? That the the bell in the face trick was Voisin. I took a lesson with Voisin in his basement, his famous basement, and uh, working on Scheherazade, the last movement of Scheherazade. And he stuck his bell right in my face and played. And I've never heard anything like. So I my sort of my approach to tone production is it's a lot of it's stamp. You know, if you look at if you you look at the first. You know, the first three pages of the stamp book, the way he speaks about air and attack and embouchure uh, is, is ex- to me, exactly right. It's spot on. Um, uh, the Pierre Thibault, the way Thibault talks about the, the poo attack, getting the lips uh, corners firm, you know, the chin firm and the lips forward into the mouthpiece, thinking, um, thinking of the, the, the syllable poo, that's exactly the way you should produce a sound on the trumpet and so that's for me that's my first that's the the sort of the 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 breakfast every day on the horn the hoopoo too right yeah 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 so let's so can we get into more detail detail about this because i this is probably one of the most important things for people to understand if they're sure they need to be consistent they need to be in the right mindset Expected play, they yeah. know Zarathustra. Like the first thing you do, I mean, how do yeah, you yeah. get yourself there? So, yeah, the last time I played Zarathustra, the <clears throat> Tuesday rehearsal, you played the piece through, and then uh, the conductor spent the second half working on it. And so we worked on <laughs> worked on the beginning, worked on the, the middle, worked on, got to the you know the midsection, and then right before the the trumpet calls stopped, rehearsal was over. And then the next morning, so we had a Tuesday night concert, something else, I don't remember what it was. And then oh, the next know, something, yeah. And then <laughs> the next morning, Wednesday, 10 a.m. Right on it. Yeah, and I'm like, wow, man, I'm glad I warmed up today. <laughs> so, is the who poo too? I mean, that's how you do it. That's how you put yourself in a good position. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And so, can you describe maybe sure. in detail what you do? Sure. In the morning. You know, everybody, everybody's different, and the the main thing I would say is there's not one answer to everything. Is you know, um, 
and I've tried a lot of things. I experiment all the time with, with ideas and, and visual, visualization ideas, but also physically playing the horn. And for me, this is what I've found to work, to work the best. It's a combination of, of breath attack, lip attack, and then regular tongue attack. So the who is a breath attack, yeah? So it's So the breath comes first, then you bring the lips together to find the note. Nice, easy mezzo piano, you know? Uh, and once you have that, so I might do a few of those on a, just a G or a C, third space C. Um, so getting the sound going, making sure the air is free, you know, that it comes from your belly with no tension and none of that stuff up here going on. Yeah, shoulders down, neck open, all the good things your teacher, you know, our teachers told us when we were 10. Uh, and then the poo attack is you set, you know, uh, for me the easiest way to think of Amisher is say the letter M that sets the corners, then think poo, and that sets the middle. Then you release the air the same way you did with the who, and you should have an immediate clear pinging attack without the tongue. Mm -hmm. And once you have that, then when you add the tongue, it's like 100% consistent. These are just on... 95% yeah. of the time. <laughs> these are just on sustained notes. You don't really yeah. go into stamp with these breath attacks that much, or is it most... Yeah, sometimes, uh, it just sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes, no. Um, uh, and, you know, it's, it, it's not, I don't do the same thing every single day, but this, this principle is the key thing. And you can use it on anything. You can use it on Zarathustra. Uh, you can use it on pictures. You can use it on opening a Mahler fifth. You can use it on um, Charlie A2. Um, so that, that fundamental idea, the idea that you breathe from your diaphragm, your shoulders are out, you're relaxed, your throat's open, and then you blow from your diaphragm without using your shoulders, without using any tension, as little tension as possible, especially in the throat. And then the air comes to the lips, the lips are set, they're together, they're forward, yeah? And with the, when those things are in combination and are working and in rhythm, then you're guaranteed 95% of the time. 95, that's good, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of talked a little bit about how much of an influence Bud had on you. Sure. Um, so when you combine these hoopoo two philosophies, yeah. how do you take that into making uh, the sound that you're kind of famous for? Mm. Um, yeah, I, you know, I would say, uh, as, as, as many people have said on these brass chats before, you know, it, all from, it all starts with, with listening. You know? I mean, that's how we find our sound in the first place. I mean, first we just honk on the horn and we make a sound, and then over time as we get older, we try to refine it, you realize, okay, my sound is here, Phil Smith's sound is here. That's a <laughs> long way to go. Alex more likes to be like this, really. <laughs> I mean, that's a long way to go. Yeah. And so how am I going to get there? And, and for me, I started just playing with records, playing with CDs, um, playing a lot with Herseth, playing a lot with Phil, and thinking to myself, man, my sound is small, my sound is dull, my sound has... I remember thinking, even in, you know, in high school, halfway through high school or so, I remember thinking, you know, my sound, it's a, it's a pretty sound, but it's, it doesn't have any, like, brilliance doesn't have any cut doesn't have any projection to it and so I, I I was I was every day playing with with Herseth recordings with Phil Smith's recordings um, you know that Tom Stevens Janicek Sinfonietta with LA that is just killer uh, yeah kick ass can you say kick ass on brass chat definitely yeah I don't know about the New York Phil archives <laughs> brass chat <laughs> yeah, is yeah. fine sorry yeah. guys <laughs> um, and so, so playing with those, trying to match, trying to find that sound, and, and, and if, your brain, if your brain is driving you, driving you, then your body will eventually figure out how to follow. For me, it was, for me, it was, a, com it was a combination of, of mentally being more aggressive, mentally being more on the front, uh, 
um, uh, not only in, not only in terms of attack and in terms of, of playing, but in terms of spirit. You know, I'm a I'm a pretty mellow person by nature, which doesn't fit well with a trumpet most of the time. And so I had to, I had to learn uh, to sort of to be somebody else. And I, I think you hear that a lot from a lot of people when you when you talk about playing music, making music. You know, we all of us trumpet players we're all um, you know we're we're all you know we're all analytical we're all um we're all sort of detail oriented and, and especially in the practice room i get you know i get very focused on on small things and trying to make per, make something perfect and and you know balance and stack all the blocks just right but then when you go onto the stage you have to be somebody else you have to let all of that go and you have to you have to be aggressive you have to play to the as i tell my students you have to play to the back seats of the hall you know you, you have to make sure that the people sitting in the very back in the very top you know, the poor people like behind the pillar who can't see anything, even they can hear what you're trying to say. Yeah. Uh, Ethan has talked about this too. Ethan Bensdorf in the Phil um, talked about hearing yourself from the back of the hall, mm -hmm. like how important that is. Yep. Um, can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Um, for, for me, there's sort of two parts to it. Yeah. Um, one is there's a visualization thing that, that helps me a lot. Um, and that is, if I'm playing, if I'm playing something that's louder, um, then I, I think about, I don't think about blowing big and wide. I think about blowing, I pick a spot, I'll pick a seat, and I'll blow to that spot. Because, f you know, for me, for all of us, I think on the trumpet, you know, the bore's not that big. And so you can take a huge breath and blow a bunch of air, but you're just going to get backed up and play without efficiency, and you're going to get tense, and it doesn't work. So I pick a spot, I pick a seat, and I think about... I think about blow into that spot, and I send my sound in, in, in as compact and focused a way to a spot. If I'm playing something soft, especially something soft and singing and sustain, I think about, I visualize playing, I'll visualize the, the four corners of the hall, the top two and the bottom two, and I try to send my sound that way when I'm playing softly. I like how you're, you, you Because that, that kind of breath, that's the, that's the sound you want for soft. And to play loud, and to play, you know, a high A, you know, high A flat to open the Tchaikovsky Fourth Symphony. That's the that's the breath you want. That's the sound. You, you know, want. I think you know, I think if you if you go back to this idea of 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 attack and starting a sound on a trumpet, it's you know even a loud one, even a loud you know fortissimo, aggressive attack. It's still a really small amount of action that's going on to make that right. It's not that much air. It's not that much. It's not that much lip that's vibrating. It's not that big of a mouthpiece. It's not that big of a bore, right? So if we're thinking like huge, huge breath, blow huge, it doesn't work. So what, what I'm always thinking about, and, and as an example, that Tchaikovsky fourth, that opening high A flats in the Tchaikovsky fourth, it, I take a breath that's about like this, and then I let it go. But because for me, <clears throat> it's about you know three quarters of a breath. But for me, it's all about compression, and it's all about getting that immediate brilliance. And if you've got that ping and that immediate boom, then you, then from there you can sustain the sound, but it's more relaxed, and you and you make more of it with less effort. So I would say I, most of my practice, um, I spend uh, I spend about half of it half of it with music, and half of it without music. Um, just me memorized exercises. Um, or, or my own exercises based on based on stamp a lot of the time based on Schlossberg, uh, and I'll spend it with a tuner, uh, and I'll spend it with um, 
I do a lot, since I have a tiny little room, I, I play a lot with the reverb, with electronic reverb. Oh, yeah. Um, sometimes a mostly like a just a tiny bit, just so it feels like a space, a little bit more space. I, I find you play a lot more health healthily um, with a little bit of that instead of in a completely dead room. Something else that I took away from you when I was a little bit younger, mm -hmm. uh, you, you mentioned that you do a lot of your maybe bulk work or fundamentals or practice in general, I don't know, mm -hmm. uh, but in the evening. Um, um, yeah, not so, much, not so much these days, I wouldn't say. Um, I, would do, I do most of it. My, I'm, really, um, I'm really married to morning practice. Okay. As like most of us are, I think, but it's nothing new. But I, uh, um, you know, I have a two-year-old who, who gets up early, and so so I'm up, you know, early anyway. And so I, I, for me, morning warm-up, especially if I can get it, if I can get it in and done at least a two, three hours before rehearsal, then I, that, to me, that's my best. Setup. So if you have a nine o'clock rehearsal, mm -hmm. you're not there. You 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 could do like an hour session beforehand. And yeah, I usually do. So rehearsals are ten here, um, mercifully ten a.m. And uh, so most I do usually forty five minutes in the morning. Does that usually entail like you know fundamental? I mean, obviously part yeah. of it's your warm up, but is it all yeah. warm up? Would you work on rep, or is it pretty yeah, much sure. just getting your day? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I would say on an average day, I would say it's probably probably five minutes of uh, of of some breathing. Um, for me, um, there's a there's a great there's a great page of breathing exercises that came down. Uh, I got from Gail Williams. That came down from Jacobs. Um, that's a nice one. The, the way I think for most trumpet players, the way Stamp speaks about breathing in that opening um, in the opening of, of the Blue Stamp book or Blue or Green, the the the, the Swiss one, the yep. Swiss version. Yeah. Uh, the way he speaks about breathing is all most trumpet players ever need to know. Because um, you know we don't need massive, massive amounts of air. You know we don't need liters and liters. We just need to use what we've got the, the most efficient way. Um, and so for me, this is a long answer to your question, but for me, five minutes, a little breathing, lip buzzing, mouthpiece buzzing, lead pipe buzzing, and then into the B flat. Um, and that's sort of how I build my sound. And using the who and the poo and the two, all those things together in that process. Um, and then it's probably 20 minutes of fundamentals. 25, maybe 30, depending on the day, depending on what I need, and then 10 or 15 minutes working on some etudes, working on some rep. I got a, I got a, a concerto next month. It's kicking my butt. It's really <laughs> hard. So that that comes into every single something like that. A big piece like that comes into every single session, no yeah. matter what. I think I think it's important. It, you know, if you have time, if you have the if you have the chop space. You know, if you're playing Mahler seven twice in one day and probably not practicing <laughs> super hard. You know you know outside of that um, but if it's a standard day it's important to do I think good fundamental work and good rep work all the time okay auditions your win-loss ratio it's pretty good um, maybe I took a, I've taken yeah. a lot of auditions though really not so many lately but well <laughs> when I was when I was younger when I was a, when I was in college and then in my in my 20s I took a lot of auditions I auditioned uh, I auditioned for the CSO uh, three times before I got the job three times over about five years before I got the gig. So were you there for uh, when, when Craig Morris got Yeah. Okay, so you were there yeah. for that audition. Yeah. You were there to replace him? And then uh, there was a no hire or something? I was there. I, I, pl I played in the finals. I, I played in the finals. Is that right? I, played in, I think I played in the finals when Craig got the job. Okay. Then, uh, then I went one more time, and then I, took, and then I went to Atlanta. And then 
and or I was in Atlanta then, and I and then I took I didn't take any for a year or two, and then um, in 2004 I went back and auditioned, and that's when I that's when I got the job then. So you, you I mean you say you've taken a lot, so I mean yeah. I don't know how I many would you say took before no, that, like number wise. Yeah. Um, I probably probably 15 or 16. 15 or 16. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, I mean, how did you figure out how to win? Yeah. Basic um, question. How did you figure it out? Yeah. I mean, I mean, to me, to me, the, to me, I, I, the most important thing was, was I knew what I, I knew what I, how I wanted to play. I knew what I wanted my sound to be. I knew how I wanted to sound. I knew, you know, I, I'd listened to, I'd listened to so many great players. Um, you know, I, I, Phil and Bud and Jim Thompson and, um, and, uh, Phil Collins and Tom Stevens, as I said, and and um, and Winton and Hokan and all these guys. The list goes on and on and on and on. Um, I'd listened to so many of these guys. I knew what I wanted to sound like, and I knew I knew where I was, and I knew where I wanted to be. And having that honest conversation with yourself is everything, right? Um, <clears throat> and if you know, if you know, even if you're not here yet, if you know you're here, then you can go into an audition and you can say, okay, so it's whatever Monday, 9 a.m. And I know I'm here, so all, that's that's all I can expect from myself. And so you go for that. I don't expect myself to. I don't expect to play like Phil Smith today. I'm going to try, <laughs> but you know I'm not going to. I'm not going to feel like I'm under the. I'm not. I'm not going to feel like a failure if I don't play like Phil Smith. I'm going to do the best I can. And so if you have that, if you have that kind of understanding of where you're at, that takes some of the pressure off for me. Um, and the, but then the other thing is. You know, I, I never felt in an audition like I was competing with other people. I always felt like I was competing with myself. I kept a notebook in every audition I ever took, um, like a practice log, you know, same thing, sure. but an audition log. And I, <clears throat> I kept notes about, um, you know, what I did that morning, how did I warm up, that, what did I play in warm up, what did I do, you know, when I got to the hall. And one of the reasons I did this is because one of the biggest mistakes I made for several years when I go to an audition is I'd feel really insecure, like, man, I'm not, you know, I don't think I really belong here, you know, I'm not sure if I'm good enough, and so I would just practice, like, the whole time. <laughs> like in a warm-up room with 12 other yeah. people. And Clark's, Clark's, Clark's. Yeah, exactly, yeah, and, uh, and so I, I started keeping notes as a way to just occupy my mind and focus on something more positive rather than blowing my face out and then going on stage, like, I wonder why no, no notes are coming out, you know, because I'd played for two hours. When I auditioned in for the Philharmonic for the first time as a, as a uh, freshman at Eastman, which was way too young to be doing that, but <laughs> kids, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I, was do, I was warming up in the practice room, playing all the licks, you know. And Carl Schiebler, the, the fantastic uh, personal man, longtime personnel manager of the Philharmonic, who passed away sadly this year, he, he uh, in the middle of me playing through something for the 12th time, he, 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 he threw the door open and he's like, kid! Save it for the stage already. <laughs> and that was a good lesson to me. I was like, wow, yeah. okay, clearly I'm playing, practicing way too much. <laughs> if the personal <laughs> manager The guy who's heard a lot yeah. <laughs> telling me to cool it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, you know, anything you can do to stay in yourself. For me, it was, it was taking notes really helped. Um, well, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, you, you talk about something that a, a lot of people, especially in like the orchestra world talk about, Jim Wilt. Uh, and Tom Hooden specifically I'm thinking of, they yeah. talk about just being honest with yourself. Yeah. And you say, well, I knew how I always wanted to sound it. Wanted to sound it. I knew how I always wanted to sound it. <laughs> I wanted to sound it good. I wanted to sound it so amazing. Um, yeah. But, I mean, that's that's got to be something you have to have. That's like a mm -hmm. non-negotiable. I mean, sure. maybe if you're not honest with yourself, 
and you're a good trumpet player, you might you might be able to get somewhere. But like, if you just have no idea what to sound like, I mean, no, you're absolutely right. And, and that goes back to the emulation thing yeah. that you're talking about when you're growing up. You have to be yeah the, glued to that. The the better your ears are, the better you'll play. And the and you know, some people are born some people are born with a, an absolute gift to play the trumpet. Some people are born with with perfect pitch, with relative pitch, but I I I still think even if you had all of those tools um, given to you at birth, I still think you have to grow your ears. You know, you have to grow your 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 concept of sound and your 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 um, development has to come from the work and and not only the work in the practicing, but work in listening and work in listening to to CDs, to recordings, but listening to live music that's the thing you know and that's the hard thing to do everybody's busy now everybody's working hard all the time and it's tough to listen to keep listening but I keep I, I remind myself daily like I have to listen to music today like I've got to listen and I'm lucky to play with the people that I play with I'm lucky to hear playing every day that I'm like man I gotta like I gotta work on that that's sick you know well we should point out before we turn on the cameras you pulled out your cell phone <laughs> and you had the Phil Smith highlights yeah, yeah, CD yeah. of his career Is just it still there? his phone so this is legit, everybody. Just oh, <laughs> Adam Luffman texted me. He messed it up. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, he pulled up his phone. It was like, Bill Smith. He yeah. just did that before the, the interview. He just did that. that he might like, have been prepared like, for yeah. that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> he got the questions. The, le- the questions leaked before the interview. That's what. Yeah. Um, no, but that's... Zeal, <laughs> I knew we should have prepared in Trump Tower. <laughs> but, 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 but back to what you said about being honest. It's... Uh, that same idea that it, you, you kind of have to have two personalities to be to 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 perform, I think, in anything. But especially to be a trumpet player, you have to be you have to be you know brutally honest with yourself, your own worst critic. <clears throat> and I, you know, anybody who knows me well will tell you that I'm I'm hard on myself with my own playing, and I'm 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 very unforgiving of mistakes. Uh, not with other people. I'm, 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 I'm very like compa- I'm very cool with other people, but for myself, I, I take it really hard. If I have a bad concert, it's it. I, I take it. It's a. Uh, it's like an insult to myself, and um, and so I, I you know for me I have I tur- I I've worked really hard over the years to turn that into something positive, which is to figure out okay why did you know why am I having this issue? What's going on? What's the problem? And treat it like a challenge and try and flip that into, you know, okay, work harder, work smarter, you know. Sometimes that means practice harder. Sometimes that means maybe I should take a break and come back fresh. Yeah. So having that honest, having that level of honesty, that level of self-criticism means that, <coughs> means that whatever anybody else says doesn't get to you as much. Even, even not winning an audition, you know, even a bad review, even, a, you, know, you know, whatever. Whatever, yeah. they, whatever they do on Trumpet Herald, you know what I mean? <laughs> so then if what you, do they do on Trumpet Herald? I'm not really sure. You can buy things, oh, and cool. you can talk smack. That's, that's all I know. That's good. Cool. It's a good website, <laughs> Yeah, it's a great website. Talk smack or Trumpet Herald? Buy things and talk smack. Uh, buy <laughs> Talksmack.com? Talksmack.com. So uh, real quick, though, what's, okay, uh, what's the first thing you think of? If you're thinking back to your auditions in Chicago, <clears throat> Philadelphia, and Atlanta, um, when you walk into the room, what, what's on your mind? What do you think? What do you say to yourself? What do you do? You 
turn that you just look around and be like, you know, I'm pretty lucky to play here. Or do you just go like, well, I'm prepared. I'm going to win this job. What, mm. What's going on in your head when you walk on stage? Yeah. So if I'll, you're lucky to play an audition on stage, I guess. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, okay, so I'll tell, you, I'll tell you two stories. I'll tell you one story. The, the last audition I played, which was here in New York, um, I hadn't taken an audition in 11 years because um, I'd been in Chicago and, and, and uh, I, 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 was, I felt like I was new to the game. And um, I I got to the hall and I and I was and I I'd never I'd never I hadn't well, I hadn't played on, on the stage since um, since I was a kid in high school and uh, a kid in college and uh, so I you know I felt more sort of not nervous but I felt more sort of apprehensive about it than I had expected because it felt like something I hadn't done it'd been so long it felt new again and so I started thinking okay. I'm like, what, what are, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to play in this hall. I'm excited to play, you know, with these people, uh, for these people. <clears throat> and, you know, so who cares if you don't win, you know? I mean, you know, it stinks if you don't win. But uh, to me, I, I focused on the process of the day and the process of playing and looking forward to that. And to me, that, and I think back to, my, to the first audition I won, which was for Philly Orchestra, and I was 22, and I, I, I didn't know anybody there. I didn't know anybody in the orchestra. I didn't know anybody in the trumpet section. Uh, I didn't know anybody in the town, really, at all. <clears throat> and so I'd, I'd come into town completely sort of um, blissfully unaware of anything. You know, I didn't have any preconceived notions. or. Um, and so I, I went into the hall, and I, and I just thought, oh, I have no idea what I'm doing, no idea what's going to happen. You know, nobody knows who I am, so I'm just going to play and have a good time and try and treat every. I tried to treat every round like it was a like a solo concert, like a recital, and it worked. I mean, I, you know, I I play and I just try to play every excerpt the best I could without. And I literally not once did I think about winning or losing or advancing or not or um, judgment. And then once I'd played, I'd go back to my room and I'd take my notes, you know, and occupy my mind. And every time, every notes, I look back on that notebook and everything, everything I wrote was like, well, that wasn't very good or that was a little sharp or that was a little whatever. But I kept advancing and I kept treating every round like it was another chance to perform. And so that's what I've done since. First time I ever played the Mahler Fifth in Carnegie Hall with, with Chicago, uh, I, the same, it was the same experience. You know, I, I can remember, I can still, I remember Barenboim walking to the podium, and I remember looking at him, and I don't really remember anything until it was over. And and uh, those moments, like that's what you live for, and that's why you practice and work hard and, and listen to listen and study scores, and that's why we take lessons and pay all this money that we can drive all over creation to 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 learn and improve and get better, so that we can ha maybe have a chance to to be in that moment. Yeah, yeah. Neil Bernson over in Pittsburgh, uh, one of my old teachers, he yeah. told me he was... He's one of the funniest people. Oh, God, he's awesome, right? <laughs> he, he, yeah, anyway, well, he told me a story about you, and he was uh, in Chicago, I think maybe playing in the symphony where they needed people back when Bud had just left, and maybe he was... Uh, but anyway, he was... He said, talking to me about how important fitness is. Mm. Um, and he said, he goes, I, was, I was running down, just jogging, like a nice easy jog along the, the lake. And all of a sudden, this guy just bolts past me. He's got a personal trainer screaming. Maybe there was a personal trainer. I'm not sure. But it was a very intense workout. It was a gist. And uh, 
He said the person turned around and it was you. Oh yeah, I used to, I used to, every now and then I used to work out with this guy who was a boxer. Okay, yeah. so this is true. Neil, this isn't one of Neil's stories where he's yeah. like making it up. Yeah, he, he punched me in the face once and I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta stop doing this. <laughs> Your personal trainer punched you in the face? Yeah, I mean, he didn't mean, he sort of meant to, but not like, not that hard, but <laughs> <laughs> like for him, he's a boxer. He gets punched in the face all the time. So he thought, he, you know, I'm sure he thought he was like, that's yeah, no big deal, but for, I mean, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't bleeding or anything, but I, at that, I was at that moment that I was like, I should probably stop training for boxing with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the moral of the story is that it's obviously important to you. Yeah. So how does it, yeah, how does it tie into trumpet playing? What's, uh, the, what's uh, the two minute pitch? Yeah. I mean, f- for me, it's, it's physical and, and psychological. The benefits are, are both. Um, you know, I think f- for me, most of my, most of my exercise these days is, is running or cycling or I do a little bit of weight stuff but not that much just enough to stay just so I don't get injured um, and for me the main the biggest physical benefit is that my I always feel that my breath is is better um, I don't feel like I have lots more air I don't feel like I I can play twice as loud but I feel like I use it better um, if I if I'm in decent physical shape you know if I and, and that ties into the second thing which is the 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 stress release the endorphin uh, release you get from exercise is huge for me. Um, so I, you know, I've been playing, I've been playing trumpet in orchestras now for this is 20 years. This will be 20 years, um, and you know, I, I'm still like I, I, for me, I still feel like I'm trying to, I'm still trying to master how to be a, a better performer. Um, because I'm again, like I said to you before, you know, I'm a, I'm kind of mellow. I'm you know, I'm like a little bit introverted. Like I kind of like keep to myself, and you know, and uh, and so for me to go out on stage is still, still sometimes doesn't feel completely natural. And so for me, having having exercise and being able to relax and let all that go and focus again helps me when I go back out on stage for the next concert to feel centered and to feel really like I've like I know what I want to say. If you could put anything on a billboard. You know what would you put on the mm. billboard? And let's let's take that and make it specifically for trumpet players or musicians. Yeah. If you could put anything on a billboard, what would it be? I mean, I, it's, a, it's a hard thing to do, but I think you know to, to say the first thing you got to do is listen, man. I remember, you know, the first time I heard Doc Severinsen, I was like, that's what yeah, I got to do that thing, and I still can't do it, <laughs> but I'm still trying. You know, I'm doing like my version of being Doc. Right, right, and so. I would say, you know, like listen and believe that you can do it, but then be honest about what you really do. That's the thing. Mr. Martin, it's time for the monster round. Okay, all right. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Hang on. Maybe get your posture ready. <laughs> okay. If you ready. have time to do breathing exercises, now's the time. It's good. Okay. All right, time's up. Um, favorite car in the world? Favorite car in the world? Yeah. Oh, man. I love my M3. Oh, you have an M3? What year? Oh, uh, wait. Oh, that's awesome. The first year with the V8. I love that car. <laughs> Most influential trumpet player of all time? I would have to say... For, I would have to say Herseth probably changed modern trumpet playing. Um, yeah. Yeah. What recording have you worn out more than any other recording? Mm, that's a good one. Um, uh, that Schulte Pictures is up there. The, uh, uh, the the New York the New York Mahler Five with Meta, love that one. The long drawn out opening. I, I listened to that as a, as a student in college, I don't know, a thousand times at least. Jesus. 
Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What's the number one mistake people make in auditions? Uh, worrying too much about what other people think. The best thing you took away from DCI? Um, the what it sounds like when what it sounds like when a when a group of brass players is is completely on the same page. What is something every trumpet player could do today to see results tomorrow? Uh, poo attack. Favorite place in the world to vacation? Uh, yeah, like Sonoma. Sonoma. Yeah. Uh, what book would you recommend your friends read? Uh, it's probably Fight Your Fear and Win. Don Fight Green your book. Fight Your Fear and Win. Yeah. Who wrote that? Don Green. Oh, Don Green. Yeah. yeah. Um, the best movie ever made. I mean, dude. <laughs> uh, Star Wars. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Your brother, Mike Martin, in the Boston Symphony Orchestra, says he taught you everything you know. Would you like to care to comment? Or? <laughs> no, he didn't. No comment? Sorry, Mike. Sorry, Mike. I would say this. My, my brother taught me, he, he, he taught me what real self-confidence is. He's a tough kid. I mean, even from, even from, even from his time as a twelve-year-old, he he was confident kid. He knew what he wanted to do. He knew who he was. And when he when he told me he wanted to play the trumpet, I said, "Are you really? Are you sure you want to do that? Like it's, you know, you both. You want us to both be trumpet players?" And he said, "Yeah." And he did it. He did it. We had a good time with him. And he came at it. He came at it completely a completely different way um, than I did, but he did it. So, he's a good guy. Yeah, agreed. Um, the best musician alive? Barbara Hannigan. Favorite sport? Uh, uh, for me to play, I'd, uh, for me, I'd say cycling. To watch, I'd say soccer. And how has your playing changed over the last 10 years, if any? Yeah, uh, some things have gotten easier. Uh, my sound's gotten a little bigger. Uh, some techniques gotten a little easier. Uh, Piccolo trumpet's gotten harder. <laughs> <laughs> if you could uh, go back in time and tell yourself one thing, what would it be at any point in your life if you could tell yourself one I, thing? I would tell myself I'd stop caring about what other people think. I would say that to myself as early as I could. And it's, it's, life's, too short to, life's too short to worry about, about other people judging you. It's way too short. Uh, Tom Brown's Monsters. Why some good ones in there, man? Something about a plane crash? That's a good one. All right, this is from Tom Brown. These are not my questions. Tom Brown. Uh, who are your favorite three drum corps? Uh, I'd have to say, as a kid, I was totally in love with Madison Scouts. Uh, Blue Devils, and mm, I'm going to lose some friends. <laughs> Everybody else. Everybody uh, else, yeah. Everyone else is amazing. Everybody else is first place, maybe. Um, Muppets, Fat Albert, or Sesame Street? Good question. Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> thank you. Thank that's you. good, good, good. I gotta, I've got to go Muppets all the way. The greatest rock album of all time? Mm. Uh, oof, I would say... Mm, I mean, there's so many. But I'm, I'm, there's at least three by Rush. I really like 2112, but there's so many great ones. <laughs> uh, if you could play duets with any trumpet player in history, who would it be? I've never played with Hoken. I'd like to play duets with Hoken. I mean, oh, I played man. on stage with him, but never duets. So, yeah, I'd like to play duets with Hoken. Your favorite dinosaur? 
Oh, uh, <laughs> what's the big one? Brontosaurus. Brontosaurus. Yeah. yeah. He's uh, omnivore. Wait. No. Vegetarian. Herbivore. 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 You're right. They don't. Eat. Yeah, I like the brontosaurus. It's a. I just like the vibe. Like <laughs> any animal that big with a head that small. That's <laughs> very non-threatening. I like that. And the last of Tom's beautiful monster questions. Um, questions, man. I said they were beautiful. <laughs> uh, uh, the best purchase you've made um, under one hundred dollars in the last year. Mm. Um, uh, I'd say probably. Probably my probably my second burp, because my first burp that I've had since I was in high school broke, so replace my burp. And I was like, I don't need it anymore. I'm cool. You know, I'm I'm 41 now. I can do this. And after a week, I was like, I, <laughs> I no, need my burp. I, I need my burp. <laughs> <laughs> Withdrawals after a week. That's awesome. What yeah. about the plane crash question? You want me to ask him? That was my best one. If if the pilot dies, which of the three of us would you trust to land the plane? Or or yourself? Oh, or yourself. Um, I Who would, would you choose? <laughs> I would I would choose to call my wife until I loved her. <laughs> uh, Chris Martin, thank you so much, man. Thank you, guys. It's, awesome. it's a pleasure. Thanks.